0: It was awesome worship, wasn't it? It's amazing what you can do with a piano and an anointed piano player. Amen. Well, for those who may be watching that don't know who I am, I'm uh, Dr. Lex Brown. I'm filling in for Pastor Robert tonight, obviously. And um, I have a word for you, maybe a little bit of a short word, I don't know. Don't exactly know how long it's going to take because the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking and we just leave that agenda up to Him. But what I want to talk to you about tonight, I'm going to title Your Journey or Our Journey in Christ. And um, the, the the reason that I came up with that is... Um, Because as a physician, what I do is, uh, when I I write an integrative medicine plan for a patient, I invariably put in that plan, I write it down in a multi-page document, and I say, what we're doing is we are initiating a journey. And I actually use the analogy of the fact that we're going to take a, a Greyhound bus ride together that I get on the bus with the patient and we're going to travel and we're going to uh, take a journey together. And so a journey, by definition, is a, 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 a travel that begins at a point and it's going to a destination. So I tell the patient, we're going to start right here where you are with whatever illness or disease is going on. And then we are going to journey to health. It may take time. It may even take physical distance to get there. But it's going to be a journey. And very much like a bus journey, there may be stops along the way. We may get off the bus and stretch our legs, have a bite to eat, but get on the bus again and then we travel. There may be stretches that are... are, are you know, interstate and going very smooth and straight, or we may get off of the interstate to go through a little town to stop at a bus station, discharge passengers, pick passengers up. We may hit some bumps along the road. But nevertheless, it is a journey, and it's going by progressive stages. So that's another meaning of a journey. A journey can be a a progress along the way. So as I was uh, pondering that uh, the journey, I began to pray over that on my daily prayer walks. And so the Lord and I were having this conversation all about the journey. And then he he talked about to me about the journey that we have spiritually. and um, and he began to reveal things to me. And um, every day, uh, I also have a quiet time, and I just I simply read through the Bible one chapter at a time. I start at the beginning, go to the end, start at the beginning, go to the end, and I record everything in a notebook, and I have multiple notebooks, and, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit reveals things, and, and lately, He's been revealing things to me about the journey, and that's what I want to share with you tonight. So get your Bibles out. And um, go to the Old Testament, uh, somewhere towards the front of the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So right now, I, uh, I just finished uh, Deuteronomy chapter 9 this morning in my quiet time. And, um, and then the, the Lord reminded me uh, several days prior when I was in Deuteronomy chapter 5 about these verses. So take a look at chapter 5, verses 32 and 33. Now I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation primarily tonight. I'll deviate a couple of times. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God, following His instructions in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow, then, You will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. As I meditated on that, the Lord was just revealing to me that this is a journey. And in order to to take a journey, we probably have to have some idea in mind about where we are going. There's going to be a route for this journey, and he calls that a path. And so we're going to follow this path, and he has commanded us to follow a certain path. He has given us his commands that we need to obey in order to stay on the path that he has commanded us to stay on, and that path is going to lead to... A land that we are to enter and to occupy. So there is a definite destination. Now obviously to the Christian, this journey begins the day that we accept the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on Him as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He comes to live in us and our journey begins. And that journey is going to take us to the Promised Land. It's going to take us to eternal life with God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and an inheritance that is being kept for us in heaven. That's our journey. And so here it is. He's already started telling us about this journey in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we are to go and we are to occupy the land. Even now, as we journey along, we are to occupy the land. So as I was meditating on those couple of verses, the Holy Spirit just said, hey, uh, you remember what you just read not too long ago in Numbers? You know that, that chapter that had all those place names in it? And I went, oh, Yeah! So turn, flip back a few pages to Numbers 33, and I'm going to read the first two verses. This is the route the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's direction, Moses, at the Lord's direction, mind you, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places where they stopped along the way. And then you look in the middle of that chapter, and you'll see all of these place names. There's a whole bunch of them, many of which I couldn't even pronounce, and that's why I'm not going to read any of them. But, um, but the Lord commanded Moses to keep this record because the Lord is a God of detail. He's a God of record, and He is setting before us this, uh, this detailed map of a journey, and we can see everywhere they went, and it brought them all the way to the plain of Moab across the Jordan River from Jericho. And that would be the place where they would cross the Jordan and enter into the promised land. That was their journey. They had a beginning in Egypt where they were in bondage, and they ended at a destination just over the border from the promised land. And that was their journey. So God has the same plan for each one of us, every one of us, has a plan, Jeremiah 29, 11, for our lives. We have a destiny. And he he takes delight in every detail of that journey in our life. And as I pondered this, I was looking back at my own life. Next Tuesday, Election Day, November 3rd, I turned 71. And so I was thinking about that, since I am near that time. And I was looking back. At my life and I'm going oh wow I could have listed a whole list of all the places that the Lord has brought me over this period of time in my life I could list geographical places I'm an Air Force brat I was in the Air Force and we moved around and so I could list probably as many places as are listed in numbers 33 that I have lived and it's a record of my journey. But I also had a spiritual journey that began the summer after I graduated from high school and I accepted Christ. My journey began spiritually, and I even took a look at my journey back and all the things that God has done in my life to bring me to this place where I stand today. We all have that journey. So, that's the Old Testament. We've taken a look at a couple of uh, uh, instances of journeys, but let's look in the New Testament. So flip over to Luke chapter 9. This is a familiar passage to you. Jesus is commissioning the 12 disciples to go out. And in uh, verse 3, Jesus says, take nothing for your journey. Now, the Greek word for journey right there is hadas. And guess what it means? Journey. So it's a journey. They're going on a journey as we have defined it. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Verse 6. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. So they were out on a journey. Jesus uh, prescribed what they would do on their journey. He gave them the power to do it. He told them what not to take with them. And... They went about doing two things, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and healing the sick. The very same thing that Jesus did, because they are disciples of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. So what do you suppose we are supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So let's look at Matthew 28, 19. You should have these memorized. I'm going to read this in the New Living as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now that word, go, in Greek is poruo, poruo, and it literally means to pursue the journey. So Jesus gave the Great Commission, and he told us, go, therefore, and the therefore is there, because the previous verse, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and pursue the journey, To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. There's the journey. That is our journey. 2 Peter 3.18 Rather you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him, both now and forever. Amen. So here is that that other part of the definition of journey, that as we are going on this journey that Jesus commissioned, we are to grow. So it is that passage or progress from one stage to another so we are going to be constantly growing we are being changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another and so we are going to be journeying we're going to be going from where we started, to our destination, and all along that route, we are going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? However, oftentimes, and this has happened in my own life, we get stalled on our journey. And I'm going to give you three reasons, there are, there are more, but I'm going to give you three big reasons of how we might get stalled in our journey. To stall means to come to a halt, to cease forward motion, and, and I know that's happened to me. In fact, when I was looking back in my life, on, in my spiritual journey, there were multiple times where I made multiple journeys and trips around the mountain in the desert. I know all of you can think of at least one in your life. And, uh, and then, through the reproof and the correction of the word, we get back on our destiny line and we continue our journey. So what the message is tonight is, is to urge the church in these days and these times to pursue the journey. So let's look at one reason for a stalled journey. That's Ephesians five eighteen. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We could say, um, don't be carnal. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't carouse all night, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have the choice. And and what, what Paul is saying here, he says, our choice should be to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So a reason for a stalled journey is not being filled. With the Holy Spirit grieving the Holy Spirit quenching the Holy Spirit departing off of your destiny line and getting sidetracked and not being filled with directed by and empowered by the Holy Spirit so let me tell you a a little story about uh, an example that occurred to me so back in 1999 I was in the Air Force and I got a new assignment as an exchange tour with the Royal Air Force. And so I uh, took the family and we went over to England and I was stationed at RAF Henlow and and lived and worked with the Brits and uh, flew the British Hawk while I was there for three years. While I was there, uh, we got to experience all things British and I became acquainted with a series of books by an author by the name of Patrick O'Brien. And he wrote a series of books that are often called the Aubrey Maturin series. He wrote 20 novels. I've read them all. And it's about uh, a Captain Jack Aubrey, who is the captain of a British Man of War during the Napoleonic Wars, and his best friend, Stephen Maturin, who happened to be a physician And he was the ship's physician, and he was always traveling with uh, Jack Aubrey. And and, um, Patrick O'Brien does a historical novel, and you learn everything about what it what it's like to live on and work on a British man-of-war, even in the battles and so on. But in one story, they're they're, uh, traveling on a journey to the far side of the world, and if any of you saw the movie Master and Commander, um, that was uh, taken from several of uh, Patrick O'Brien's books. And. But anyway, there's an area down near the equator that you may be familiar with. It's called the doldrums. And if a ship that's, that's under sail and their only power for that ship to move is the wind gets into the doldrums and the wind quits. And that ship is just sitting there. It can't go anywhere. There's no wind to luff the sails, to fill the sails in order to propel the ship in the direction that the captain wants to go. And that's oftentimes why people will say, well, I'm in the doldrums. I'm stalled on my journey because there's no wind. I don't think it's much of a coincidence to know that the Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and it also means breath or wind. And so what, I'm, what, I, what the Lord showed me was, is when we are not filled with the Spirit, when we don't have the wind of the Spirit filling our sails, we, we sing a song like that, then we're not going on our journey. As a matter of fact, when the ship is sitting there with no wind and in the doldrums, it is going to drift with the ocean current, and, it, and you can't do anything about it. You're just going to go where the ocean takes you, and that's what happens in our life. We begin to drift. When we don't have the empowerment and guidance of the Holy Spirit and we drift clean out of His purpose for our life and we lose that path that Moses was talking about that He has commanded us to follow. Let's look at another reason for a stalled journey. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Now, I'm not going to read all of these, but you know it. It's the parable of the talents. But I do want to read... Verse 25, so the master's calling uh, back his servants that he gave uh, money to to invest. And this servant, who got one talent or one bag of money, says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. So... Another reason for a stalled journey is not using your gifts. If you take whatever gifts the Lord has given you and you bury them, then they are of no use. The other servants invested their money and had a return on the money, But this servant had no return on his money. So when we do not use our gifts, then we are in reality robbing the body of Christ and the kingdom of God because we have not invested our gifts and gotten a return that either builds up the body of Christ or wins souls into the kingdom. So, our journey comes to a halt and is disturbed when we do not use our gifts. Third one, Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Right solid food is for those who are mature who through training other translations will put the word practice in there who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong so a third reason for a stalled journey is refusing to practice refusing to be trained you remember 2 Timothy 3:16 says all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that teaching and that training keeps you on your destiny line but those who refuse to practice refuse to train are going to be stalled in their journey now back when I was a teenager um, i uh, I began piano lessons when I was eight years old and uh, uh, and my dad was transferred to a air Force base up in the upper peninsula of Michigan and um, I resumed my my piano lessons with a very, very good teacher and um, I actually uh learned. Uh, George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, memorized it, played it in a recital, but there was a point in time where this teenager got much more interested in golf than he did in practicing the piano. And it was summertime and I hit the links every day. And my dad came to me and he said, son, if you don't practice the piano for 30 minutes every day i'm taking your golf clubs away from you and i went Ooh, okie dokie so i practiced for 30 minutes every day and i thank god for my father because now i have the ability to come home or come out from working on the ranch and i can sit down and you know, if you practice, if you train, then you can go from chopsticks to playing jazz. And that's and that's what I do. And I and I love it, but it was because I practiced. I learned to distinguish between what was right and what was wrong. So let's review those. Number 1, not being filled with the Holy Spirit, number 2, not using your gifts, and number three, refusing to practice or to train. That will, that will stall your journey. So what do we do? Well, first of all, by an act of our will, we say, I'm going to continue my journey because I was commanded to do so. So, but we're not just left alone by our own devices to figure out where that path is and to follow it. We have the promise of guidance. So let's take a look. I'm going to give you three verses. These are my favorite. There are many, many more. I'm sure you have your own, but we'll look at three. Psalm 32, 8. This is in Revised Standard Version. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go I will counsel you with my eye upon you promise so as we are walking in this journey as we are headed to our destiny the father promises that he will instruct us and teach us so we're not left to our own devices we are not left with our own inherent wisdom but he promises to give us his wisdom his instruction his teaching and he promises to counsel us he keeps his eye on us we are followed by the Father And He, we can be confident, is directing us all along the way. And you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Psalm 73, 24, one of my favorites. I use this one in freedom prayer all the time. New Living Translation, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. So we can be assured on our journey that the one who has come alongside us, the Holy Spirit, is going to guide us, counsel us, speak to us, direct us, and lead us to a glorious destiny." That word, destiny, and the word destination come from the same root word, a Latin word. And so He's leading us to our destination and we will be sure that we get there. John sixteen thirteen. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Other versions say he will tell you about things that are to come. I can remember when I was a younger Christian reading this verse, and I'm going, really? That, I, I want to experience that. That he would really show me things that are to come, show me the future, that's his promise. The spirit of truth lives in us. The spirit of truth guides us into all the truth. He guides us on that journey, and our journey is going to be compassed by truth. And that if we're practicing, then we're going to be able to practice and mature in the ability to know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. There is a dearth of that in our world today. People do not know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. But the, but the Spirit promises that He will do that for us on our journey. So i want to finish with another story that I hope will um, kind of uh take everything that I've said tonight and what the Lord has revealed to me and kind of put it in a in a in a tangible way of how that works. so I used to fly the f one seventeen nighthawk stealth fighter and uh it was designed um, to be unobser- or low observable and to fly into a uh, very uh, dangerous um, area, enemy area that had a very um, uh, dense uh, anti-aircraft network and to take out very high strategic targets. And w- one of the ways that that, that did it, is the uh, the planners uh, that would that would plan the run to the target would design what we called the black line, and the black line was uh, the the path that that we would fly the aircraft that would take the most advantage of the low observable qualities of the aircraft, and minimize our um, uh, risk to the, um, the anti-aircraft defense mechanism of, of whatever enemy we were going against. And so we would always talk about the fact that when we fly our mission, we would stay on the black line. And that black line would eventually take us to the target that we would release a laser-guided bomb on at the very precise time, the very second that the targeteers wanted that on there because sometimes we would have a multi-ship strike on that target coming from multiple directions at different altitudes crossing over that target and dropping multiple weapons on that, that high strategic target. So what we would do is we would brief up the mission, and then they would give us a little black box about this big. It was called an expanded data transfer module. Why they called it that, I don't know, it's a big long name, but we called it the EDTM. And we would take the EDTM out to the jet, we'd do our pre-flight, climb in, and we would take that EDTM and we would plug it into the airplane, and that would tell the airplane computers uh, systems and autopilot where we were going and i would put my position uh, in latitude longitude into my inertial guidance system so that the jet knew where we were on the surface of the earth we'd start up take off and and join the black line in order to go uh, on that mission but here's what here's what I did that I want to bring in as to what the holy spirit is doing for us so what once i got airborne i would turn the autopilot on and it would give the control of the airplane to that edtm and it would fly the airplane to that target. It would stay precisely on that black line. It would automatically change heading to the next waypoint. It would automatically change altitude either up or down. And it would also adjust the throttles. We had auto throttle. So it would adjust the throttles to adjust the speed in order for me to get to that target so that bomb would get on that target at the very time that it was supposed to be there. So it's the same thing in our lives, is that if we engage the autopilot of the Holy Spirit who has the mission plan for our lives, and we hand our lives over to him in order to be our autopilot and in order to take us to the destination at the precise time that we are supposed to be there. That's how we walk our journey. And in, the, in that moment, in the from the initial point or IP to the target so the IP to target run it was my responsibility the jet couldn't do this is to identify the target in the sensor display with infrared sensors and to put a laser on that target so that the laser guided bomb would follow that laser spot all the way down to impact the target. So it wasn't that I was just a useless bump on the log inhabiting the cockpit of that airplane. I had to consent to that, that weapon being released from the airplane. So the Lord, as He is leading us on our journey, needs our consent in order to accomplish the mission and get to our destination. Now, I'll tell you, I was uh, was trained to investigate aircraft accidents uh, as a safety officer in the Air Force, and I've I've, uh, investigated multiple mishaps, all unfortunately, which were fatalities. And in in the F-117, I investigated one where the pilot knocked off the autopilot. This was at night uh, because of something else going on in the cockpit. He thought he was flying the jet, but he became spatially disoriented and the jet and the pilot were both destroyed because he had disconnected from the autopilot. So what do you suppose will happen to us if we become disconnected from our autopilot? We are open to attack. We are open to mishap we're open to becoming a fatality. So we need to maintain our connection with the Holy Spirit and do not become stalled in our journey, but to to set our faces like flint, to keep our vision, our eyes, fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith so that we can run our race with endurance. And then we can say with the Apostle Paul, the time of my departure is at hand, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He ran his race all the way to the destination, and we can do the same. Amen? Okay. So praise the Lord. Um, So... For everybody watching the live stream right now and everybody here, I want to pray for you. And, um, and just let's just give all of this over to the control of the Holy Spirit. We can do that right now. And uh, if this message has pricked your heart about uh, something going on in your life, now's the time to, to come back and say, okay, I'm putting autopilot on. Holy Spirit you've got the mission I'm with you and uh, you have my consent so let's pray so father God I thank you that you are our guide you have promised to guide us into all the truth if anybody out there does not even know Jesus you you don't have a guide and but it's real easy to uh, take the the Holy Spirit's guidance into your life right now by just coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Lord Jesus, I need You. I'm without You. I believe You're the Son of God. I believe that You've promised salvation and eternal life to me, and I ask You to come into my heart and dwell in me. And then guide me on my journey to a glorious destiny. You can do that right now. And second... Uh, Corinthians 5.17 becomes true, that you are a new creation, the old has passed away and the new has come right this moment. For everybody, I pray that we will walk our journey with um, determination, with endurance, with patience, because we see what is before us. It's a glorious destiny. We want to set aside everything in the world, Father, that that tries to distract us. Or to get tied up in knots about what's going on in the world, but realizing the whole time that You are the Waymaker. That You are at work. You are doing Your will. Your, Your Word is established in heaven. It cannot change. It is forever it shall endure for eternity and so we are confident that you will deliver us to our expected end so we turn our lives over to you we give you our hearts we let our eyes observe your ways And we want to walk that journey with You and listen to Your counsel and Your guidance and to walk into truth. So unite our hearts to fear Your name. And we will praise You, O Lord our God, with all our heart, and we will exalt You forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So praise the Lord. I I thank you. Uh, Well, you can leave your offering at the at the back. And uh, and uh, Father God, I just ask you to bless the offerings tonight and use it in mighty way for your kingdom to come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen and amen.